What's going on, Thrive Church family? We're so grateful you're tuning into this week's podcast. We pray this message will bless you in the same way it has blessed our house this past Sunday. Thank you. Just as you're standing, I'm grateful to be here, uh, but I'm going to invite you to lift up your hands with me. I, I'd like to share with people that as you lift up your hands, it's akin to a pair of antennae that just kind of just helps you connect the frequency um, of your heart with God's mind. And when somebody lifts up their hands, it's a sign of surrender. It's a sign that you're available. It's a sign when you lift up your hand, it's almost like telling God, I'm right here. In this crowd of folk this morning, I'm right here, right by this pew, right in this area. And then when you lift up your hands as you make them available to receive, it's like a glove, it's like a mitt, it's like, like it's a receptacle. And so, Father, as we lift up our hands, I thank you for the presence of the living God. I thank you that you can speak to every mind, spirit, soul, and body. You can minister healing. You can minister a breakthrough. You can speak a word into our minds, our hearts, to settle the storm that rages in our spirits. One word from you, O God, is more than suffices to bring about deliverance and healing and blessings and direction. Some of us are like at a crossroad and you're needing Solomonic wisdom. You're needing divine direction. You're needing a, a godly strength. You're needing like, like supernatural strength to encounter, to overcome, to push through the season of toil and challenge. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, just as your hands are lifted up, I'm going to pray for healing. And if your body is broken and if you're if the doctors diagnosed a certain disease or a certain condition, I want you to trust Jesus. He's in the house. I want you to trust Jesus. I want you to elevate your faith and, and place it on Jesus. In Jesus' name, I, I speak healing to your body. I speak healing to your mind from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. I speak deliverance. I speak relief. I speak recovery, like supernatural recovery from somebody who's recovering from a condition. I speak assuagement, assuagement in the name of Jesus. I bind the source of the, of the disease or of the infirmity, of the sickness, of the pain, and I cast it out in Jesus' name. I bind it and declare you free. I declare you delivered. I declare, I declare you healed and whole in the name of Jesus. One more thing, just with your hands lifted up. Father, I thank you for a deposit, for a deposit that will take us to the next level. A heavenly gift, a heavenly and divine inspired word, a deposit that goes way beyond. It's like when you fed Elisha for 40 days and for 40 nights or 40 days, he didn't need a thing because you gave them manna from heaven. And in Jesus' name, I pray for this delivery. I pray for this blessing to the glory of God, to the glory of God, and God's people say, amen and amen. Join me and let's give Jesus Christ. This worship team was phenomenal. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be seated. Thank you so very much for the courtesy. Pastor Chris, uh, Pastor Vanessa, thank you for the courtesy. Thank you for the honor just to, to be with you and your team this weekend. Uh, God is doing something great, incredible here in Lathrop. If you are traveling from a town nearby, uh, 15, 20, 30 minute travel, it's worth the travel. Uh, I'd like to encourage you to stay connected, stay plugged. Uh, it takes an investment to, to, to be able to draw um, a dividend. I'm going to say that again. You can't draw dividends and you can't draw from an account where you've not invested. And I'd like for you to invest time, talent, treasure, and, and give God your best um, that you have to offer him. That in the course of time, in due season, you will reap, uh, you will reap the blessings. You will reap um, um, a dividend, if you will, That'll change your life, your family. If you're a young man or a young lady, I'm a former educator, was an English teacher at a high school, became a principal, became a superintendent of a high school district, and education is near my and dear to me. 
So if you're a young man, young lady, uh, don't quit. Stay steady. Keep going to school. If you're somebody that, that maybe quit and didn't finish that diploma, go back and get it. If you're somebody that started college, was thinking of college, move toward college. Go back to college. Work on yourself. Invest in yourself. Develop that mind. Uh, ask God for emotional strength and emotional fortitude. A lot of us have what is called IQ, like you're very intelligent, but we struggle with the low EQ, emotional intelligence. EQ is like we struggle, and, and you need to ask God to just elevate your EQ so that your other SQ, that's your social intelligence, your social intelligence, so that as you develop both your IQ and your EQ, you, you get like, you become more comfortable in, in rooms and in the presence and, and that person in you, that gift in you, that leader in you gets time to mature, uh, to develop, to find your center stage and ultimate all three of the uh, IQ, the EQ and the SQ, all of them are dependent like a master switch, if you will, on your SQ, capital S, capital Q for spiritual quotient. So your spiritual quotient determines everything else. It determines how much you grow, where you go, uh, how well you handle yourself. If you're a young man or young lady, don't be in a rush uh, to get in, engaged into a relationship. Uh, if you're probably less or younger than 20, uh, don't be in a rush to have a boyfriend, young lady. As a matter of fact, if you have a boyfriend right now, dump him in Jesus' name. Like, like just kick him off the curve. He's probably not for you. You're too young. You're not ready. Uh, young man, same thing for you. Um, if you're not 21, 22, if you don't have a really good job, if you're not finished with college, um, you shouldn't be dating. Let me tell you why. I'm a, a high school principal. I'm a pastor. Uh, and I was a, a youth pastor for many, many years. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give everybody, this is not even near my notes. I mean, I'm just, just, just God is speaking to somebody. I mean, it's not even, I, I, I might just stick, stick, you know, stay with this theme and just finish and make an altar call. Um, but, but dating is a, is a, is a preface it's the, it's the waiting room for marriage. So here it is. No one should be dating unless you're ready to get married. I'm going to say that again. So dating was meant, is meant as, a, as the holding place, as the waiting room, as you're prepared. When you're finished with college or school, you know who you are. Uh, you've got a ways to, to pay rent, to pay a home. Uh, you've got a job. You've got an identity. You've got a degree. You know where you're going. You know who you are. Then at that stage, you always pray, by the way, always pray for your future husband or wife, always. And you pray, you, I'm going to give you guys a secret. Don't just pray for your future husband or wife. Pray for their parents uh, that are raising your future husband and wife. Um, if you're a, a mom or a dad and you've got small kids and you eventually you know that your kids, you know, they're going to eventually, most of them get married, pray for the parents of the other, of the other, of the kid of the man or the young woman that your son or your daughter is going to marry one day. Why? Those parents are the first source after God. They're the very next source to help you raise kids that are healthy, balanced, so that the guy your, your daughter marries is not an idiot. No, he's not. I'm sorry. I'll take it back. So he's, yeah. So, okay. So he's not an idiot. So, so that he's faithful. So he's well matured. He's developed because he was raised by godly parents. How many say Amen. So this is just like a free bonus. Let's give the Lord a, a, the glory, right? So, so somebody here, you need to be patient, young man. No girlfriends, no boyfriends. I, they, as a high school principal, I saw so many kids devastated with premature relationships, premature. Everybody holding hands, everybody like uh, doing the dating scene that this is my boyfriend, my girlfriend. And, and um, you know, they couldn't even, they lived at home. And unfortunately, the girl would get pregnant or the boy and the boy would abandon or the boy was a two-timer. No, three-timer, five-timer. Okay. Let me pray again. Would you guys mind? Let me pray. I'm, I'm serious. Let me pray. Father, there is somebody you're talking to, somebody you want to rescue. Probably a young man or a young lady who just needs right now rescuing and they need to put a stop. They need to start all over. They need to give themselves space to say no, uh, to say not yet. Not you, not now, not this way. God has a better plan for me. I just need to be patient. I just need to uh, like take my time, wait my turn, and know the right transition. And Father, I just thank you. I just thank you. You're helping somebody. Um, you're trying to just save somebody because you've got a greater plan for their lives. 
In Jesus' name, to the glory of God, to the glory of God, I pray. If you're a young man or a young lady, college and career, uh, high school, um, junior high, don't miss this conference. Uh, Gen night, come. Parents, bring your kids or make sure they come. But especially this conference is going to be powerful, and I just want to encourage you in Jesus' name. I want to talk about the power of rooftop ministries, the power of rooftop ministries in the book of Second Mark, uh, the, in the book of Mark chapter 2 and in Luke chapter 5. I'd love for you to just kind of acquaint yourself with the story. I'm going to take it right now as a, as a deposit that you are familiar with this story. It's a story of four men that uh, had a friend and they brought him to Jesus and they had to get creative. Uh, they, they had to be like tenacious. Um, they, they, when they got to, to Jesus, to the home where Jesus was at, it was packed. Uh, not only inside, but all the way outside. And they were on a stretcher. They were carrying a friend who was paralyzed, uh, doomed, if you will. Um, and I want to just kind of read some notes that I, I wrote recently. Um, just, just for this service, this is the first time I speak or I share this message. But I, I'd like for just the Spirit of God to encourage you because... I did not know, and uh, Pastor Chris is a great friend, and uh, that you're going to enter into a season of life groups. And this is a message that God put in my heart to encourage you to be a team, to, to form a pod, uh, to be part of a pack, uh, to be part of a group, a small group, a life group, a growing group, a developing group, uh, of, of just so that you're interconnected where three or four things happen when you join a life group. Uh, one of the things is it's a place for you to belong and not get lost in like a, in the big picture. There are people like-minded that God has put together and, and you can develop one. You can uh, lead one. Uh, you can facilitate one. Uh, not only a place for you to belong, but a place for you to connect with others. And this interconnection just, just, just develops these social skills that I was talking about, this social intelligence that everybody needs and you develop it in a safe, small group setting. Not only that, but you get not only connected and you belong, but you grow in a life group. You get to grow. Uh, you give yourself time, space, opportunity, and resources in a life group to grow. And then the fourth thing is you get to serve. That life group begins to connect you with God's purpose, plan for your life. And I want to encourage you. I believe uh, a pastor is going to be speaking about life groups pretty soon or a small group. And it could save your life. And you or you could be part of saving somebody else's life or like this man in a stretcher. He, no one person could have ever got him on top of a roof. There was no room through the door. Couldn't get him through a window. The whole house was surrounded. And uh, they became engineers, if you will. They became collectively, they had the resources, literally with ropes, uh, literally um, um, hoisted him over a roof, literally tore through a roof uh, to place this paralyzed man in front of Jesus. Let's go, let's go through the story. I'm going to try and be uh, brief. Here's what I wrote just uh, the couple, last two, three days, four days ago. I began to just, for this message, praying for, for you. Uh, for this church, uh, any man, messenger, ministry, or movement can traffic uh, on well-trodden and traveled roads. Anybody. But it takes a special group, a special church, a special person, or a group of people with a unique God-given vision and the perspective, the, the ability to climb mountains, to scale deserts, to traverse uncharted territories, um, to weather tough times. You've got to be special. Uh, to go through dark and desperate crevices of, of your life, uh, to scale walls, to climb walls and do ministry, to do ministry, not on the surface level, um, not at eye level, but on the rooftops. That's right, rooftop ministries, rooftop life groups, a rooftop church that you don't um, travel and you don't traffic where everybody else is. In the, one of the most unique passages in, in the Bible, Mark 2 and chapter 5, we learn about four fearless, fanatical, faith-laden friends who literally tore off a roof and tore through a roof to get a friend to Jesus and have Jesus save him and heal him and deliver him from his broken, destitute, paralyzed or paralyzed condition because they had collective faith. Not one of them could have done it by themselves, but collectively, a life group, a small group, literally with lifelines, literal lifelines, ropes, if you will, uh, they had, because they had a focused purpose, and they had fearless efforts, and they had a friend uh, in need. 
Today, all of us get to live in a world with incredible modern medicinal and technological advancements and wonders. We take for granted, all of us, the devastation of millions of lives who just one generation ago, um, as well as times gone by, experience, if they had a physical impe impediment or imp impairment, if they had a delimitation, if they had a handicap, their lives were ruined forever. I mean, they had no way to live. They had to beg. Uh, they had to depend on others. But you and I take that for granted for the most part because God's blessed most of us with healthy bodies and with uh, modern uh, technology and modern medicine. In essence, the lives of folks not too long ago, their lives were relegated to a lifetime of incessant dependence, claustrophobic confinement, endless darkness, total and, uh, silence, utter ruin, chronic commiseration, perpetual begging, and an inter interminable sense of worthlessness and uselessness if they had an impediment, if they needed a wheelchair. There were no such thing as wheelchairs. Uh, if, they had to, if they were missing a leg, uh, an arm, an eye, um, and, or if they had other physical impediments. Millions of people today, though, are spiritually impaired. They're spiritually devoid of purpose. They're in a state of being irreparably disabled unless they come into direct contact with the saving, healing, and restoring power of Jesus Christ. They're right around you. They're your neighbors. They're your friends. They're your family. They're living, some of them are living under our own roofs. They need deliverance. They need Jesus. They need help. They, don't, they need peace in their mind. They need comfort. They need a word from God. They need a friend. They need a dad with the spiritual courage. They need a mom that believes in, in the supernatural. Uh, you have a brother. You have a sister that needs you to be part of that other group, the small group of people that are committed, that are invested their lives because Jesus saved you and Jesus rescued you and, and me and therefore we have a debt to pay. We have a debt to pay to God. We have a debt to society. Uh, God has delivered you. God has blessed you. God has prospered you. And you and I cannot sit idle. You and I cannot just come to church on a Sunday and rest on our laurels and be part of that small group of folks uh, who take God's blessings for granted and are not part of God's mobilizing force. You're not part of someone who's joining a small team, a small group uh, to make a difference and that I want to call and refer to small groups or a church or a ministry or a movement, rooftop ministries, a rooftop. That means you don't just linger and you don't traffic at eye level. Uh, you do whatever it takes to have somebody saved, delivered, and restored by the power of Jesus Christ. How many say amen? You want to be, be used by God. This bears repeating. Millions of people today are spiritually devoid of purpose in a state of being irreparably disabled unless they come into direct contact with the saving, healing, and restoring power of Jesus Christ. One would automatically think that their only hope, that, that, the, that those people's only hope, the folks that are lost, uh, that the only hope is a church. But unfortunately, most so-called churches are shadows of their former selves. Uh, there are many churches, many movements, many denominations that are anemic they're hollow, they're empty, they're powerless. Uh, they just have a form of godliness, the Paul writes, a form of godliness uh, that where they go and they meet on every Sunday, it used to be a real house of prayer, uh, a real house of worship or a house of praise or a house of power. But today they gather only to engage in religious liturgies or routine activities with no life, no power to transform their lives and change their destinies forever. Only the real church of Jesus Christ has that power. Paul calls those churches, calls those people uh, with a form of godliness, but they never experience and they never demonstrate the supernatural power of God. And Paul says, from such, turn away. Uh, give them your back. Find a church. Be a person. Be a people, uh, be a leader of a small group that, that engages in rooftop ministries, that you do whatever it takes to help somebody with not only a rope, a helping hand, a lifeline, uh, somebody that's a friend, somebody who's praying, somebody who hangs in there, somebody who still believes in the supernatural power of God. You still believe that God does miracles. You believe that miracles are for today. You believe that the Holy Spirit wants to and can use anybody. But pastor, I'm not a prayer warrior. You don't need to be, just be available. 
uh, pastor, I'm not, I'm not too knowledgeable in the Bible, in the word of God. You need not be knowledgeable. You need not be a theologian. You just need to have faith like a mustard seed. And then the effort that goes behind your faith. Because faith without works is dead. Faith, faith without action uh, is, serves no purpose to no one. Uh, no, the only hope for a lost, broken, marginalized, hurting, dying world is a healthy church. It's an effective church. It's a thriving church, hence the word thrive. Yes, a thriving church. A living church, a relevant church of Jesus Christ who worships the one true God, Messiah, the one Jesus, the one Lord, the one faith with one baptism, with one purpose, because Jesus himself came to seek and to save that which was lost. And I pray that's us. I pray Thrive is that church, that church that reaches the lost. I pray that you are part of, of a movement, of a church that joins a small group, that becomes a leader or a facilitator or a contributor or a participant in, in helping uh, Pastor Matt retain the next generation. So if you've got kids or grandkids, if you're a young man or a young lady, you need God, you need Christ, you need a church, you need to be part of a small group and the, the large setting that God is calling a new generation or your generation. God is calling you out to be unique, to be uh, engaged, to know God, to grow spiritually, and then to go and make a difference. Uh, I'm talking about a church that makes uh, disciples from believers, engages, equip, and empowers emerging leaders, that multiplies, that makes a difference in the lives of thousands and countless of people, and a church that ultimately gives God the glory, that gives God the glory. Uh, Thrive is not just a church with or of life groups. Thrive is a church for you, for life groups, for the kingdom of God, and I want to encourage you vehemently with all my heart that if you've tried it in the past... Because some of us, I know, I, I'm a pastor as well. And we do life groups. We do small groups. And I, I it, it kind of, it's a, it's, a, it's a burden, if you will. It's a, it's, a, yeah, it's a burden that I sense for those that tried life groups. And maybe we failed. I'm talking myself. Maybe we didn't set them up for success. We might have set them up, set them up for failure. Maybe the expectations were too high. Maybe we'll, the definition of a life group uh, was not the correct one. Because... The, the fact is that a small group um, can, can accomplish the supernatural. A small group not need to be powerful, dynamic, great, large, growing. A small group of two or three people can make a huge di- difference in eternity in the lives of others. Let me end- emphasize again the word small in small groups. Many small group leaders tend to get discouraged because their life group or their small group does not seem to grow beyond three or four, maybe five or six or seven, and it, and it varies. Let me remind you that the Bible says, that Jesus says that where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there with you in the midst. That where two or three are gathered, and the name of Jesus is invoked. That Jesus himself is your fourth man. Jesus shows up and says, I'm here. There's two of us, there's three, oh, and Jesus is that fourth man that stands and and ministers and there is present as there's conversation. And then all of a sudden, something great can break loose because Jesus is in your midst. How many say amen? Amen. I don't know if you were able to to have that PowerPoint. If you do, great. If not, that's okay. So I want to talk about the power of rooftop ministries, especially the power of you joining a small team. Uh, The power of a small group rest or consists, number one, wherever the word of God is taught or preached, wherever there's the presentation of the word of God, uh, there is all of a sudden the supernatural is part of that small group. So it's not a small group to socialize. It's not just a small group to get along, uh, to just get along. But I'm talking about the power of a small group that is able to reach or to share, to teach, to preach the word of God. In Mark chapter 2, it says that they gathered uh, to, to that uh, Jesus had entered Capernaum, that people heard that Jesus had come home. Luke says that Jesus was in the house. How many say amen? Um, and they gathered in such large numbers that they had no room left, not even outside the door. No room left, not even outside the door. And so Jesus preached the word to them. Jesus preached the word to them. I want to tell you that... Um, 
that in the modern age that we've all heard the, 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 the refrain that build it and they will come. And that's not necessarily true. The wandering masses, the lost, the broken, the destitute, and the hurting will not come if we have just merely a great building. We promote great projects. Uh, we create catchy sermons titles. We, pray, we play great music and or we purchase bigger, grander facilities. Uh, but they won't, that won't necessarily have them come. If they come, it'll be an empty trip. It'll be for naught. But they will come and they will come connect and commit if Jesus is in the house. If Jesus is part of your movement. If Jesus is the why of your small group. How many say amen? Let's give the Lord a clap offering. Just, just say to Jesus. If Jesus is in the house, they will come. And they will connect and they will commit and they will stay and they will be part. Uh, so God admonishes in his word all of us. In Timothy, 2 Timothy 4.2, that all of us should share the word or we should preach the word. And that we should be prepared in season and out of season because it's the word of God that corrects somebody or somebody's heart. It admonishes, it encourages, and then do it with great patience and careful instruction. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4 reminds us that the word of God is alive. It's living and powerful and active. That the word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword. That the word of God can penetrate, can pierce the dividing soul and spirit and joints and marrow. That the word of God discerns and judges and exposes the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing is greater, no greater power for man to be able to understand, to read and receive the word of God. So make your small group, uh, make it part, make the word of God central. Make the word of God central to your own life. Uh, where you feed daily, uh, where it becomes your daily bread, and the Word of God is your source of inspiration, your source of, your source of wisdom, your source of direction, your source of confidence. If you feed on the Word of God, you'll have supernatural anointing and favor and grace and authority and confidence because it's the Word of God that sustains you. It's the Word of God, your daily bread. Uh, it's the Word of God. So I'd like for for all of us to, to just embrace that. Rooftop ministries, not only preach, teach, share the word of God, but rooftop ministries, number two, bring, bring people to Jesus. They bring people to Jesus. You live and you breathe and your hope and your, your being or your purpose is to be um, a rescue, a part of God's rescue plan. Uh, when humanity broke down and humanity got lost, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit launched the greatest uh, operation rescue plan ever. And the plan was for Jesus himself to come from heaven because he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And the church, that is our number one business. That should be your number one purpose in life is God help me. And directly or indirectly, front, frontally or, or, or peripherally, help me reach and bring somebody to Jesus. Help me be a witness. Help me be a light. Help me be salt. Help me be there at the right time. Just help me be there at the right time. Help me and to lead me by the Spirit of God. Just a few, a uh, uh, couple, two, three years ago, um, right before, uh, yeah, just about two or three years ago, I was on my way home, my regular routine. All of us travel the same way, probably 98% of the time unless you have a reasons for divergence. And I was just traveling home from the office back home. And then I don't know, I just felt as I was driving, I, every morning when I pray, I ask God to help me make a difference in somebody's life. I just say, God, if this day, help me make a difference. Um, you know, help me be there for somebody. Just, just I'd like for this day uh, t uh, to be, to have like eternal consequence. And I just felt, you know what, I'm just going to go by this neighborhood. I went left and then right, and then I was just going through the neighborhood. Um, and maybe about four or five miles away from my own home. Just, I don't know, I just felt compelled. And when I turned to a particular street, neighborhood, kind of on my way back to the major thoroughfare, there was uh, this, this mom uh, pushing this baby carriage with the rollers, with the, the, uh, maybe a one-year-old, a toddler, um, with the feet in front, one of those rollers, not, not a carriage, but a roller, a stroller. And um, a, a pet bull broke out from a fence. 
I just, just, just broke through the fence and was heading toward that mom and that baby. This pet bull had bad intentions. It just, just, I just, I was driving with my car and I saw it and I just, it was beginning to just cross the street. The, the mom became frightened and just scared like, like every, any normal mom would be. And immediately I accelerated my car. And I just kept, got between the pet bull and the mom and the pet bull tried to go behind the car. And I would open my door and go toward the sidewalk <clears throat> to block the pet bull. The pet bull would try to go through the other side and I would just turn my car right. I finally got off the car and I tore the pet bull in half. No, that's not, that was not true. That was just fantasy. One movie too many. Just one. One movie too many. Sorry. That, was, <clears throat> that did not. Sorry, I apologize. And I just felt the anointing leaving it, but it'll come right back. Oh, there it comes, right there. Um, it's back. Amen. So we just kept dancing. We just kept that little play, that interplay between the pet bull, the mom hurrying up, and, uh, and then finally about a block away or a block and a half, the pet bull desisted. It just realized that, hey, I'm out of my territory. And the lady just, just with the crying says to me, thank you, you are a godsend. Uh, I was praying, she goes, I was saying, Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. What I'm trying to tell you is you could be that person anytime, anywhere, if you are somebody that allows yourself to be led by the Spirit. How many say amen? Let's give the Lord a clap offering. He is worthy. So it doesn't have to be something that desperate, that drastic, you know, that daring. It could be just a word of encouragement somewhere. You meet someone and God wants you to be part of that lifeline to just elevate your life to a different, different level and just put it on the rooftop. Put it at a different level of commitment, of service, of surrender, of sacrifice, of giving, of making yourself available, uh, growing every opportunity that you have because uh, uh, rooftop ministries bring people to Jesus. Uh, the Bible says in Mark chapter 2, verse 3, that some men came bringing to Jesus a paralyzed man, carried by four of them, carried by four of them. Uh, there are two kinds of people on this earth, saved and lost. If you're part of the saved, consider yourself fortunate. But consider yourself also on task. Consider yourself assigned by God. Because, because your assignment is to help others that are lost be saved as well. You can't be greedy. You shouldn't be selfish. You shouldn't just live for yourself. Your assignment in this life is to be a lifeline to others, to join a church, to be part of a group that, that makes it their mission to find the blind, the halt, the paralyzed, the broken, the lost, and bring them to Jesus. Bring them to Jesus. You can't save them. You can't change them. You can't save them. But we know the one who can. And I can't heal anyone, but I serve and I worship the one true God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God, the seed of David, Jesus Christ, the living God, the son of the living God. And wherever he is, where Jesus is, there is liberty. There is the, the potential of miracles, of, break, of breakthroughs. The Bible says in Luke 19, 10, that the son of man came to seek and to save the lost the lost people that are hurting, helpless and desperate and needing a savior. And Jesus declared, if I be lifted up, if I'm talked about, if, I'm, if somebody uh, goes out of the way and just worships me, praises me, lifts me, I will draw men, all men unto me. Your job and my job is just to talk about Jesus, to live for Jesus, to walk with Jesus' presence. Because God is the, because Jesus is the worker of miracles. Number three, um, rooftop ministries are undeterred and unafraid to operate outside the box. They're unafraid and undeterred to do something new, uh, to break out, to think creatively. Uh, to not, they were not religious men. They were not a scribe. They were not a Pharisee or they were not religious men. They were not the disciples. They were just four an anonymous. They didn't care who got the, the, the credit. They were not interested in, in getting or giving anyone credit. Uh, or getting credit. They just wanted to be at the right place at the right time and help a friend in need. And I want to encourage you today that you could be that person. You could be, um, be undeterred, be unafraid, 
to say yes to an opportunity, to a new class, to a new life group. Uh, be part of a group that says yes to God. The Bible says in Mark chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, since they could not get him, get him to Jesus, their friend, because of the crowd. There's always a crowd, by the way. There's always a crowd. In your life, there are people that will be just trying to discourage you, tell you not to come, not to go, not to grow, uh, not to move forward. Uh, but they made an opening. They went on the roof, uh, and then on the rooftop, they made an opening in the roof above uh, Jesus, above Jesus, by digging through it, it says in Mark, and then lowering the mat uh, the man was lying on. In other words, rooftop ministries, movements, and ministers uh, they take the road less traveled. They overcome obstacles and go where few others ever dream or dare of going. Rooftop ministries go the extra mile every time and give God an opportunity to do what God can only do. They go the extra measure of sacrifice. Rooftop marries, uh, ministries carry those who are in a rooftop ministries carry those who are unable to carry themselves. Rooftop ministries move in keeping with God's grace and God's favor and God's greatness. Rooftop ministries tap into the spirit and the gifts of God, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of wisdom, like the tribe of Issachar that developed the ability to discern, to discern the times and they knew what to do. Rooftop ministries display uncommon courage and exercise unconventional wisdom. Uh, they rise above the froth, the fray, and the fracas. They elevate themselves and then others to the next level. Uh, when there is no entry at the common ground level, look for the next level. Look for the next spiritual um, um, investment that God is going to make in you. Elevate yourself and then elevate others as well. Rooftop ministries climb on rooftops to get to closer to God and then get others center stage in front of the presence of Jesus. Rooftop ministries believe and operate in the gifts of the Spirit of God. Rooftop ministries manifest the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Rooftop, rooftop ministries, small groups, do little things so that God can do His thing. Um, they spend time with God. They invest time with others. They give of themselves. They give of their resources, their, their time, their talent, and their treasures. They give God their best so that God will perform what only God can do. And then lastly here, I want to just get you ready to, to close here. Rooftop Ministries use spiritual, spiritual gifts or spiritual radar and sonar to identify the very spot where Jesus is standing. The Bible says, and especially in Luke, if you read Luke chapter 5, that they lowered that man right in front of Jesus. That's what it says. Now, how could you do that if you're on the roof? Uh, you have to just listen for the sound. You have to like, okay, where's, the, where's Jesus? Where's, where's his voice? Da, 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 da. Sonar, uh, radar, uh, the, the bleep, right? The, the, just the, just, just, oh, and right around here. Just right around here and then they had the audacity the courage the mandacity and it is a word by the way mandacity to open the, just tear the roof and the bible says that they lowered jesus right in front and it's really about going the extra mile to be who god's called you to do to be and do what god has called you to do because you and i believe in the supernatural a handful of years back not too long ago um, I was at a conference like this um, in, in Los Angeles. It was a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday weekend. And so I, I spoke and, you know, ministry, I, I ministered that Friday night. Uh, a couple was taking me to the hotel. And um, they had been attempting to have children for eight years. Their name is Sam and, and Maria Arquieta. Um, and on the way to the hotel, they stop. They just, they just, just went uh, to the side of the road. They just stopped. And I felt like, okay, this is a little strange. And then they just, just, just says, Pastor, we've been struggling to whether even say to anybody, but we have not been able to have children for eight years, and and it's not looking good. Yada yada. Time, age, stage, phase, and. And so I'm going to share with you very succinctly, very honestly. I felt like, okay, what does this couple want me to do? And I guess they're going to ask me to pray. And they did. Then the ask came, Pastor, can you pray for us? 
and in that moment, I was exhausted. It had been a long day. Kind of like just looking at some of you gets me tired. Just, just some of you, just, you're so, I'm kidding. That was not good, right? That was terrible. So I said, okay, let's pray. I said, you know, take your hands. And I reached from the back of the car through the, just through the back and put my hands on their hands. So I began to pray. And then I just sensed what you and anyone here can sense God's voice, God speaking to you. And I said, and I felt like, you know what, this is what God says. God says he knows your hearts and that you've been serving him faithfully and sacrificially. And that God is going to grant you the petitions of your heart. And you will have not just one, but you will have four children, four. And I just prayed. And then just this, all of a sudden, just, I don't know what happened. And I said, and this will serve as evidence that next time, next time that I am here, uh, you will be three months pregnant. As I said, you will be three months pregnant. And I finished praying. And just, just something really like just, I, I, I grew up in church all my life. And this is all I know. I've never just, 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 but this was a, a special moment. I was, it even caught me off guard. Three months, next time you see me, you'll be three months pregnant. And I finished the prayer. They, they wept. We all did. They took me to the hotel room. When I got to the hotel room, I went straight on my knees. I, beside that bed, I got on my knees and I asked God, I began to ask God to forgive me if I had spoken out of turn. If I had said something that, that was not him, if it was my own imagination, if it was my flesh, if it was my own spirit, I said, God, it's no fair to put this kind of expectation on this couple. And so as I began to apologize and ask God to forgive me, the Holy Spirit says, Saw, shush, just don't say nothing. Just trust me. Just trust me. Is anything too difficult for me? And I said, Lord, nothing is too difficult for you. Nothing is too difficult. And I just thank God. I prayed, you know, the whole rest of the weekend. We went home about a year later. I get a call by the same pastor. Pastor Saul, would you come? And, you know, last year was powerful, yada, yada, yada. And I looked on my calendar and I uh, said, nope, not this month, but next month I'm available. And they said, yep, they looked and we said, okay, that month. I had forgot totally about Sam and, our, and, and Maria Arquette, totally. I'm gonna share with you guys a secret. I hope it's not being recorded. Never say something online, cause it'll get everywhere. Oh my goodness. Had I remembered, now I'm a, I'm a Christian, I'm a born and raised, I'm a minister. Had I remembered what I spoke and prayed and prophesied to the young couple, I don't think I would have said yes. There's just so much at stake, so much. But as God would have me do, I had amnesia. I said, yes, we'll be there in such a date, we'll be there. And so we got there. Again, Friday night, ministered. I felt calling leaders to the, to the altar. Leaders, come. And as I began to pray from my left to my right, your, your right to your left, right around this area was Sam and Maria Arquieta. And I remembered. And I said, oh, my Lord. And Sam and Maria just drenched, drenched in tears. Maria and Sam, they're holding hands and, and Maria just points to her belly and she had a maternity dress and she goes, I'm three months pregnant. Three months pregnant. I want you to have confidence. I want you to have confidence in your God, in your God, that at any given moment, he can use anybody, anybody to encourage somebody to believe God. Encourage somebody to trust God for a miracle, for a breakthrough, for a healing, for a changed heart. Somebody in your home needs you to trust and believe God for them and with them. Would you stand up? Would everybody stand up?
Would you stand up? Rooftop ministries. <laughs> That's when people get together and you elevate each other. Not one of them could have got up by themselves. Somebody has, says, hey, step on my back. Let me push you up. Then once the other one's on back, everybody knows that men, you, hey, I got you. Hey, here you go. Or throw you a lifeline. Here's a rope. Now there's two up there. And then getting that third one and that fourth one on the bottom by carried by four on a stretcher. No one person, not two people could have got them up there. But a group, but a team, a small group, a, 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 a cadre, if you will, a cohort, a posse, a posse, a, a pack. Like, 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 like the power of the pack. Like you just begin to encourage each other and you begin to believe God with each other. And that collective faith, collective faith becomes contagious. Rooftop. Just, just get ready. Get ready to say yes. Would you lift up your hands with me one more time? With your hands lifted up, I'm going to say two prayers. I'm going to pray for you, for you to experience the supernatural first. And then at, after this, I'm going to pray for our guests. For those of you that have come today and you need a breakthrough. You need to be saved. You need to get right with God. But I'm, I'm going to pray for everyone. For Father, you see every heart and every hand and every head every mind that right now is just saying, oh God, I want, I'm hungry for you. I want significance. I want my life to have purpose. I want my, my life and my family to be part of a rooftop ministry movement, to be part of a church that believes in small groups, that gets them together, they study, they read, they pray, they cry together, they believe together. There's petitions, there are prayer requests, and there is God right in the midst of two or three that are gathered. God himself shows up. And when God is present, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Any heart, any mind, every, any person can be healed, delivered, restored, and saved for the glory of God. And so, Father, I pray that you place a hunger, a hunger, a hunger, a desire to be relevant, to be used, to have your one life have purpose, your one life, to make it count for eternity. One life with a window of space, time, and opportunity. A window of space, time, and opportunity. Then God himself would be glorified, that God himself would be glorified. I'm going to ask everyone just to lower your hands just for one minute. Your arm, would you lower your arm, your hand? For our friends that you've come today, maybe you've been coming for a time, but you're not confident. You, you are not uh, confident or, or sure that you're born again, that you're saved. And that's because maybe you're not living right. And you know that your life is not right with God. And today, today, today is your roof time, <laughs> your rooftop moment. This is where you get to the next level. This is where God himself is throwing you a lifeline and saying, come up here, come and be with me. And if that's you and you want to have that certainty, that confidence that you're born again, that your heart, your mind, your spirit, your life belongs to Jesus Christ and yet you're a part of his, of his children and his kingdom. If that's you, would you just lift up your arm, your hand, wherever you are. I want to, I want to pray with you. If that's you, would you say, pastor, I want to be right with God. I see your hands. And I see your hands everywhere. Just, I want to be right with God. There's sin in my life. There's brokenness. I'm not living right. I want to be right with God. I am so encouraged by everyone. Who's just You have the courage to, to just raise that hand and raise that arm and say, that's me, Pastor. More importantly, God sees. God sees your heart. And God sees your hand. I'm going to ask you, everyone that is raising your hand and everyone that's here, to join me in this prayer. Everyone, uh, everyone, and for those of you that raised your hand and those of you that raised it in your heart, I want you to say this prayer with all your heart. Say it just like you mean it. Um, everyone repeat this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus. Say it again. Lord Jesus, you are my Lord. And I ask you humbly to be my Savior. Save me from myself. Save me from this world. Save me from hell. And then make me your child, your instrument for your glory. Fill me with your spirit. 
give me your wisdom, your authority, your favor, and make me an instrument for your glory. I accept the invitation and the challenge to be part of a rooftop life and ministry in Jesus name and God's people say amen and amen let's give the Lord a glory let's give God let's give God praise come on can we just honor Pastor Saul one more time my goodness I, I don't know about you but I'm excited for what God is doing in this house I believe that message that Pastor Saul thank you for everything you deposited this weekend I believe this fall, God's getting us ready to expand and grow. And part of that is we want to make sure that we are connected to each other and connected to Jesus. So we're going to be talking about groups in the next couple weeks. That was such a prophetic message to this house. And then I want to, I want to, real quick before you leave, I want to challenge you to think of that person you need to bring to a rooftop and get them to Jesus. I believe that this is a place, if you can get them here or a small group or wherever, even if it's another church, I don't care. Get them somewhere, get them to God. But can we be activated to live our faith and to reach the lost and the broken in this season? Can you join me with that? That we would, that God would use us to reach our friends, our family, our coworkers, our neighbors, that prodigals would come home in this place, amen? Amen. Well, family, we love you. We're so excited for what God's doing. Make sure you invite a friend next week, and we'll see you next Sunday. Love you all. Have a great rest of your day. Once again, thank you so much for joining in and listening to the message brought to our house this past Sunday. We love you, and we pray you have a blessed day and blessed week.